0: I just want to get right into it today. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we're, we're supposed to be in a series called Four People, right? But because John's not here and I'm doing the sermon today, I get to do whatever I want. And so, no, that's not true. Uh, I, but this message I'm going to speak on today, one moment. This message I want to speak on today, I believe is, uh, is really important. No matter what is in the Bible, it's going to be important. But for this message, I'm speaking in, a, in, a, in, a, in the Psalms. And I don't know if you guys have heard of the Songs of Ascent that were written in Psalms. But if I, if you guys want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be in Psalms 127. I really encourage you, if you have a phone or if you have your Bible with you, I want to read along with you guys today. And I believe that if we read Scripture together, I think that's very powerful. And I'd encourage you guys to, to open your Bibles or get your phones out so we can read that together. But today, I want to read through this passage, and we're going to look at uh, why the people of Israel uh, would sing these songs on their way to Jerusalem and why David would, would write this down. I want to look into that. And also to understand that the Bible was written, you know, th- this passage was written probably thousands of years ago in a different language, and we were able to find it and translate it to English, and it's the inspired uh, Word of God. And so it's really, really powerful when we, when you view Scripture that way. And so it's important to know that these were written to people uh, back then a long time ago, so we can now read it today. This is not uh, written to us, but is written for us. And so we can read this, get the application from it, and apply it to our lives. And so, in Psalms 127, let's read it together, okay? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, Like the arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of the one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, and he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. That is Psalms 127. Now, by no means, I, I, if you look at the passage, by no means am I going to give any parental counseling today. I'm not, I don't plan on doing that. But it does talk about building, and that's something that I'm super interested in. Uh, actually, this past week, last week, I was able to go home uh, to be with family uh, up in Traverse City, about two and a half hours north. And uh, with my family, my, uh, my, my grandparents from New York were in town. My sister from Idaho was, was in town. And we got to celebrate as a family my dad's birthday. And I, uh, maybe some of you might know that actually uh, my dad passed away a few years ago. And uh, so it was a good chance to be with our family uh, and just to be together. And I think it's super important to be with family. But as I was home last Sunday, so, as we were celebrating my dad's birthday, um, I got to be in, the sh- in my shed. And it just to reminisce in all the times that uh, as a kid, he would teach me how to to build. He would teach me how to, to do carpentry. And it started with building deer stands, or it started with fix, adding a lean-to on the side of the shed. And then it started with uh, building different things, and he would teach me everything. And that turned into a hobby of mine. I actually was able to uh, spend a lot of my time uh, in my elementary, middle school, and high school years working on that craft of carpentry and even building desks into uh, bookshelves, into wall decoration, and it became something I really enjoyed, but it's because of uh, the relationship that I have with my dad and those moments that he got to teach me how to do those things, and I wouldn't have known. I probably would have no hands right now if he didn't teach me anything, because I would have cut him off by now, and so I'm glad that he taught me those things. It would be really dangerous. I would have learned my lesson for sure, but I'm glad he got me to teach me those things, but it just reminds me of this passage, because we see it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, and we'll see how Important it is to to learn. We see how important it is to submit and to trust. Um, Just like I trusted my dad with what he taught me, we'll see in this passage how we can trust the Lord because whatever we do will be done in vain outside of the Lord. And so when we look at this passage, it makes me think of uh, it says, whatever is done outside the Lord is done in vain. And so it makes me think of all the things that we do in our everyday lives, right? And this talks about uh, a household or the family, like uh, building a family, starting a relationship. Uh, whatever you want, your desires—they are these things that we desire and we are striving for and we're going for. But how often do we feel like we're just not enough for it? How often do we feel like we we don't ever measure up or we we can't complete it? Uh, maybe more specifically, is there is a like a business maybe you're starting or it's a family you want to start? Uh, maybe it's uh, whatever it is, whatever we're doing. Sometimes we feel like it's not enough and we are very exhausted. Am I right? Are a lot of us? exhausted today because of the things that we are striving for every day of our lives. I mean, how many of us can say life is easy, right? Can we say that? I don't think we can say that. But it's our attitudes that determines um, the way we uh, perceive the life that we're living. So I want to give you guys some context of this passage, and we'll be able to see how we can apply what Psalms 127 says to us today. So in Psalms 127, like I said, this is actually in the middle of about 14 chapters in the middle of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent. And so actually in the ESV Study Bible, it describes this section really well. It says, this diverse group of includes individual and corporate laments, songs of confidence, thanksgiving hymns, a song of celebrating Zion, wisdom psalm, uh, psalms, uh, a royal psalm, and uh, for different occasions. And some traditional Jewish interpreters have suggested that these songs were sung on the steps uh, at the temple or uh, uh, from a spring on Jerusalem. Others have taken them and geared them towards returning to Jerusalem after exile. Neither of these make good sense in the, in the context of David writing these. Um, so it's, uh, it's easy to... So we can probably... Um, take them simply as suited uh, as uh, ascent to Jerusalem for worship. They would, they would have a pilgrimage uh, a couple times a year going to Jerusalem, which is a steady incline. And when it says ascent, it could be a physical ascent, or it could, be a, um, it could be a spiritual ascent. And so Israel would sing these 14 different poems on the way up all the time. They would sing it all the time. So that's where we get Psalms 127. When we read this, I don't know if you guys caught it, but it seems like there's two different sections here. Remember I talked about unless the Lord builds the house and watches over the city, but then also it turns into behold children, are a heritage of the Lord. So it kind of seems like two separate things are going on here. But when, you, when we look into it scripture, I found out that Psalms 127 and 128 are both wisdom poems. So the other ones are more laments and songs they would sing, but these ones were written by Solomon, which is David's son. And uh, so we can see that the basic theme of this wisdom psalm is that uh, without the Lord's blessing, all human toil is worthless. All right, awesome. That sounds great. Uh, this, is, this is explicit in verses 1 and 2, but it's implicit in verses 3 and 5. So we can see that it literally says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then a few verses down, it talks about uh, how children are the heritage of the Lord. So... We can see that there is a explicit, um, what the Bible is saying here is that unless what we depend on the Lord is done in vain. This psalm is attributed to Solomon, like I said, and God gave him wisdom. He wrote all of Proverbs, um, but obviously, if you guys know anything about Solomon, he didn't always use that wisdom. I mean, he had a lot of wives, so that's not really healthy. But anyways, a commentary uh, describes these passages in this way. It says, in, one, in 127, it opens with several statements of truth relating to building and protecting a house, since uh, this concern for protection involves watchmen. Remember, it says, uh, "Unless the watchmen watch over the city, um, this is a uh, likely a setting for a king who is diligently strives to develop and protect his kingdom." However, the main point of the owner of the house is that Jesus, or that God, would allow the owner to rest uh, securely without any anxiety. And then the second part, it says these verses seem to be disconnected from the opening section of the psalm. However, this is Hebrew, so bear with me. I don't know if any of us know this word, but Banam in the Hebrew text is children may be connected to baith, which is house in the first verse. Uh, in this sense, the residents of a kingdom are metaphorically children uh, of a king. This conclusion is supported by the idea that children are like warriors, uh, arrows. In verse 4 in this reference to the city gates. So I know this is a lot of information I'm throwing at you, but we'll be able to read through this passage and understand it a little bit deeper on why whatever we do without the Lord is done in vain. So I want to take a little bit deeper look at uh, what these are saying. So in these first few verses, like I've been saying, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. But if you look, it says, it is in vain that you rise up early, and it's late you go to rest for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now that brings me a lot of peace when I read that. It is in vain you rise early, and it, you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier about we are striving so much. So for me, I can relate to this on a, on a, uh, a level of being a college student. So I'm in, uh, I've just finished my junior year of college, and uh, when, you're in, when you're a full-time student and you have to work to live, which really stinks. we got to figure that out. I don't know why we need to work so much to just even get food on my, in my belly. So there ends up being a lot of commitments that you have to do in order to live. Am I right? There's a lot of, things that, there are a lot of good things that I do. Um, not all of them are good, but those are the good things you have to do in order to live, and it ends up being really busy. Like, there's, you wake up early, and I go hard all day, just non-stop, one thing after the other. I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? I'm sure as you become an adult, it gets worse. I hope not, but am I right? And so all I know is that life is not easy, and there's a lot of striving, a lot of hurrying, a lot of go, go, go. And before you know it, it's, you know, late at night, and I have to jump in bed. and I have to wake up in three hours, whatever it is. I, that's a terrible amount of sleep. I, I know for me, I need like a good eight hours of sleep in order to feel okay. And so I totally understand when it says, uh, you, in vain you rise up early, and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. But then this is the part where it really gets me. For he gives, this is God. For, for God gives to his beloved, he gives him sleep, he gives him rest. This is just a metaphor for saying that he cares about us and he loves us, knows that he loves, he gives rest to. So that, that's what they're singing because they want to believe what they're saying. So as we transition into this next part, behold, the children are a heritage of the Lord. This is pointing to another mode of building up a house. Okay, so namely by leaving the descendants to keep Our name in a family uh, alive upon the earth, you know, as we, um, as you have kids, you begin to carry on the last name. And so that's kind of like they would talk about in that day, is they'd want the the house to carry on. Um, And then it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Children are born to men in their day uh, by a blessing from God. Do we agree with that? Are children a blessing? Yes. (laughs) And so sometimes I hear they can't be. So. I hope that we are, but I know you love us, and you you have to love us, so you're stuck with us. Yeah, so, blessed, and then verse 5, it says, "...blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them." Talking about the arrows, but it's also talking about children. So, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Those who have uh, many gracious children upon uh, the whole, uh, uh, excuse me, children upon our, those who have gracious children are upon the whole and the happiness." Uh, um, of a large number of children means a large number of trials, right? And But then when they are met by faith, when you, ha- and those, when you go through those trials, you have to have faith, uh, and that means that there's a multitude of joy that comes with that. So these are all facts. We can all agree that um, when it comes to raising a family, it can be a joy, but it can be really hard at the same time. But with faith, you know, we can't do it without God. It can be done. And so... For me, I'm so glad that I was raised up in a Christian family. And a lot of us here with families have our children here with us today. And they're being raised up in the church. They might have been dedicated as a, as a baby. They might be been baptized recently. But whatever it is, they're being raised up in the church. And so the connection between verses 1 and 2 and 3 through 5 is that you can uh, uh, rely on God to build a foundation. That's the whole point of this verse and this, this passage is that we're supposed to depend on God to be our foundation, right? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it are laboring in vain. If we're raising up a family on our own will, it'll be done in vain, but we have to rely on God. And like I said, by no means am I trying to do any parental counseling, I have no credibility for that whatsoever, I'm still a kid myself. But when it talks about family, we could also relate it to when it comes to getting a job. Maybe some of us are still looking for a job and it becomes, we're striving so hard and it's so exhausting. That we want to give up, but we're supposed to rely on God. It's in his hands, right? Maybe it's that, like I said earlier, like a business you're starting or uh, whatever it is, you're you're trying so hard, it might fail, but you gotta realize it's in God's hands. Anything you do on your own strength is is not gonna measure up. I know it's kind of a downer, but I think we can really relate to that. We we strive a lot to get things done. So then I ask myself, like what like cool, so I keep saying, Trust God, trust God, trust God. But, like, that's a lot easier said than done, am I right? So what, what can we do with this? We have all these desires and these things that we want to do, but how do we how do we trust God? How do we give it over to him? How do we have him build the house? Unless the Lord builds the house, we do it in vain. So earlier, actually, I remember I talked about um, going home and being with my family and getting the chance to, to – uh, reminisce in the times that I got to learn how to build with my father and actually a goal of his uh, someday was to have to have a cabin in the woods and be debt-free and uh, be able to live there and so when I was a junior in high school he got the chance to actually begin building his cabin and so I got to be along I got to do it with him and he brought our neighbor along who did construction for many years and he's one of the craziest guys I've ever met I don't trust him with anything but he was the one who got us uh, to build this cabin and so We got to, we began building at my junior year, the last week of my summer, and uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of good fellowship with friends and family, and we spent a week doing that, and it came to the time where I was, I remember I learned as a kid, but there was time where my neighbor, he tossed me the nail gun and said, like, it's, you know, you're going to put up the plywood, and I was like, yeah, I know how to do that, Like, I know how to use a nail gun. Not really, I had no idea how to use a nail gun. It was one of those, those orange ones, the really heavy ones that you have to like, press against the wall and then you pull it and the, the, the nail goes through. So I didn't know how to use it, but I was trying to act like I knew how to do it because I didn't want—I was scared of Ron. I didn't want him to, to make fun of me or whatever it is. So my dad was holding the plywood on the other side and I was putting it into the studs and I was going along and uh, I missed a stud and I actually hit my dad with a nail. And it hit him in the arm, but I went to the other side, and it didn't go into him. Don't worry. It didn't puncture him or anything. It just hit his arm. But obviously, that's not, that's not fun, right? It was embarrassing. I shot my dad with a nail gun. <laughs> but I just wish that my neighbor would have, I wish that I would have had the humility to say, hey, how do I use this, right? But I was too prideful. I wanted to, to act like I knew what I was doing, and clearly I made a mistake, and I learned from that. But I wish that my neighbor would have came over, and I wish that he would have showed me how to use it. Even better, I wish that he would have done it for me because he would have done it right. And then even better, what if we got a professional to come and build this cabin for us? What if we had someone who actually knew what they were doing put this cabin together? I would have been able to walk alongside him and learn from him how to exactly do it and do it professionally and do it right, do it well. It would have been great. I would have been able to learn. I would have been able to, to pass on that information, that skill that I learned, just like I learned from my father how to do carpentry. And I was able to learn from him. And it's a skill that I have now. So what do we do? I know I just shared the story about um, building this cabin and doing it, but we've all heard several times anything we do apart from the Lord is in vain. Imagine if I try to build that cabin. Man, that, we wouldn't, there would be no cabin. So how do we do this abiding in God? How do I trust it it takes surrender to trust God how do I build myself upon the Lord these are questions that I was asking myself as I read this passage like okay cool I know I'm supposed to trust God but how do I truly trust God we most of us here probably have a relationship with Jesus most of us if we're here today I trust that we have believed in Jesus and have turned away from our sins but there are some of you here who might not have a relationship with Jesus or you or maybe you're living a life and you're not realizing that you aren't trusting God How do we build our lives on God? How do we trust him? How do we let him show us how to live our lives? One of the passages that really helps understand why we should trust God is actually in Ephesians. I'll just read it for you guys. It says, Christ is our cornerstone. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, 21, in, uh, in the whole building, being fitted together, uh, it grows into a holy temple of the Lord, whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Earlier in this passage it says, for you have been saved by grace through faith. Therefore, Jesus is the cornerstone. If you guys know anything about building when it comes to building there's a cornerstone that everything is built out from that and that's why in scripture they always say jesus is the cornerstone jesus is the foundation and so if you guys have if you guys have trusted in jesus and have uh, uh, believed in him and are living a life uh, in, uh, uh to show who jesus is love to people he is your foundation right we, we all know that jesus is the cornerstone jesus is the cornerstone and you have a firm foundation built on him. The foundation is your faith and it's been laid. Now it's about building on that foundation. Like I said, many times I keep bringing this down. I keep being a doubter, but anything that we do is not going to be, is not going to be good. It's going to be done in vain or it's going to ultimately fail. So what does it look, what does it look like to build upon this foundation, right? What if each day you set time aside to devote your time to God? I mean, if we believe in Jesus, He has died and and uh, has forgiven us from our sins, something that we deserve. What what is the least that we could do to give back? Maybe devote, devote a little bit time to God. Maybe a lot of time. Maybe none of us, not enough, not none of us do that to have a relationship with Jesus. It's, the relationship has already been built. Understand that Jesus loves us so much that He took our place in death. is a great way to understand. Like, wow, I need to build. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. He loves. He loves us so much. Beginning every day praying and asking God to give you the strength and wisdom to be a spiritual leader in your household. I mean, asking God every day to give you peace to be an example to people in your lives. Now, I know I talked a lot to people who, are, who know Jesus, but maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I, I don't know so much about this whole Jesus thing. I don't really know if someone invited me today or maybe been living a life. And you haven't truly surrendered your life to Jesus. I'm telling you today, all it takes for you to build that foundation is to confess your sins to God because he's already forgiven you a long time ago. And by the power of God, you can turn away from your sins. This is the important part. This is the only thing that you have to do is to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that he died and rose again. And you will be saved. And if that's something that you guys want, if, there's, if you're sitting here today and you haven't actually prayed that, if you actually haven't believed that in your heart, if you are tired of striving, if you're tired of doing things in vain, I'm telling you, this life built upon the Lord is a life filled of much more peace and joy. We get to live in, in eternity forever. All it takes to have that, all it takes to have that eternity is to believe and if you are a Christian, all it takes is to begin each day devoting yourself to God, begin building your life on Him. Now this is no recipe or equation for a perfect life. If we know anything about this life in this world, uh, it's pretty dangerous and pretty sad. It's, it's a, lot of, a lot of things to worry about. But I'm telling you, if we begin to begin, if we begin to build our foundation on God, There's a whole lot more peace that we get to experience. There's a whole lot more Jesus we get to show to people because Jesus died for our sins and he raised from the dead and forgave us a long time ago in this broken world. He came to liberate those who are oppressed and broken. And if you want to pray that, if you are already a Christian and you feel like, man, I don't trust God enough. I am full of anxiety. I, Like it says, I am eating the bread of anxious toil. But then it says, for he gives to his beloved, he gives them sleep, he gives them rest. So if you guys want to begin that, that relationship today, if you want to begin building that foundation on God, I encourage you to, to pray with me in this moment. All it takes is to, in your heart, believe that he is Lord. All it takes is to say, if you're a Christian, you want to begin to trust God even more. All it takes is to say, God, like, I want to trust you. Like, give me the obedience and discipline to trust you. I'm done striving. I'm done trying because anything I do is going to be done in vain. So if you guys want to pray that with me, I'm going to pray and you can believe in your heart as I pray that. So let's pray. Lord, today there are people here who are striving so hard in this life, in this little blip in uh, comparison to all of eternity. We are striving so hard. But if we can just realize that there's an eternity ahead of us, that anything we do here set aside from you is done in vain it's pointless it's worthless it's not going to be anything it's not going to measure up even the smallest things Lord we want to surrender to you so for those who are here who don't believe in you and they want to believe in you all it takes is to say Lord I confess my sins to you and I want to return away and I want to repent for my sins God because I know that you have forgiven me and I don't want to go on sinning Lord God, as I believe in you that you are Lord and I believe that you died and rose again and you've been resurrected. I believe in my heart that I will be saved and you will give me salvation, God. And Lord, for those in here who do know you and do have a relationship with you, they want to fully trust you. They want to stop striving. They want to fully trust you and have peace and have you build the house, God, because anything apart from you is in vain. We trust you. We thank you for your love. Amen.